for real. Oh, really? That's how you feel. And the guys are like, asking all them questions. Asking all them questions. Why you asking That was your day. We're glad you're with us. Tell your Lundquist. With Ryan Eldridge out on the balcony of the Eldridge at Casa Amor. You never come here, but you should come here more often. We we should do this more often. This is phenomenal. This is as good, if not better, than the pink room, in my opinion. This this is better. Especially than, at this, this, is better than at the pink this room. time of day. Downtown Bellevue, right? I Downtown so. Bellevue, you know, Seattle right back there, in the back, whatever. Seattle over. You can see it from no the from the top. You can see it. What are you? Yeah. How how often do you think you need to get new <laughs> new outdoor furniture? Never. Never. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I I've never owned a house before, and my my idea is that have you ever seen outdoor furniture in one of your homes that was not this? Yeah, when we moved, right? So yeah, we changed that. So I, I guess every single time you move, that's what ten, fifteen years, twenty years, maybe never. So maybe never is a is the right one because once you buy. Furniture that you like, no. Ideally, it should never break, and you should just. I disagree with that. Especially, well, no. We're talking outdoor furniture, outdoor specific. Yeah, and it found in the the elements. I mean, like ask yourself the same question. I can't remember exactly. That's what I'm saying. I would say 15 years. It's been like 15 15 years. years. Yeah, 10, 15, 20 years. Every single time you change a house. Anyway, uh, Fernando Tatis. We're watching this Mariners Seattle, Seattle. Mariners San Diego Padres game finally got it out, um, and Fernando Tatis hit a double, and they probably showed the replay of it five times. They want him to be the face of baseball so bad. Yeah, but he's a drug addict. Yep. So I asked you the question. Do I need we, to close that? Down, I by think the way? we should close. Yeah. It. Okay. Keep going. No, my question for you is: Who do you think is the face of baseball? And I think it comes down to two options right now. Okay. I think. A very similar option. Who there? Are, I, I I have two names for you. I think we're one of the them. Same one of them is very similar to Fernando. One of them is less. Yo, Shohei Otani or Julio Rodriguez. I think Julio. You think Julio? I was thinking Shohei as well, who couldn't be anything. Couldn't be more different than Tatis, and I was thinking Aaron Judge for the second one. You gotta I think, don't know you gotta if think he's as market. I don't know if he's as likable. I mean, a large part of that is because he's with the Yankees. Like, unfortunately to you and to him, like nothing he can control except for he could have re-signed somewhere, or signed somewhere else. But I think part of it is just that he's a Yankee, and no one wants a Yankee to be the face of baseball. That's fair. You, you get he's going to be the biggest villain, I guess in. The MLB, if right now it's the right, Fernando if he, Tatis, yeah, if he does the right things, right now San Diego is the perfect perfect place to find a villain. But historically, it's been the Yankees. We talk about like Clemens, uh, you know, Alex Rodriguez. Like those are not very likable guys, and they happen to sign huge contract with the Yankees. Also perform tremendously over there, and that's just the perfect formula to have the perfect anti face of baseball. So I think now that you say it, I think you're right. It can't be Aaron Judge. It has to be, like you said, Julio was going to be one of my guys as well. That could be an up-and-coming. Corbin Carroll, maybe like a Gunnar Henderson as well. We have to see how they develop and if they actually become all-star players. Like at this point, it's not Mike Trout anymore. At this I point, agree. He's, like, he's not it's, even the yeah. face of the Angels. Yep. No, you're exactly right. I think, um, okay, here, here's a debate that I saw. Uh, 
think it was on Barstool Baseball, but if you were starting a franchise today, with like today you take in whatever contract they already have, whatever skill they have, potential, would you rather start your franchise with Julio or Corbin Carroll as they are right now? As they are right now, I think Corbin's contract is, if we're talking about keeping their contract, I think his contract is so much better from a team perspective. We're talking about with 10 years over the next, or 10 million over the next nine years or something like that. Yeah, it's more, that's, way more than that. That's around 10, 10 million. It's like 10 million. Yeah. It's s- like 180. No, he signed like eight. No, he signed an eight million, like 90 or eight year, $90 million contract. So it's like 11. Oh, million. you meant per year. Yep. Yep. Okay. yep. I meant per okay. year. So your salary is going to be fine. You're not going to hit that luxury tax, at least because of him. Um, you know, I don't know the details of Julio's, but that's 18 years you lock up. So that's another question to ask is, do you want 18 years of Julio at the same, you know, dollar per year amount? Or would you like Carol for a much less dollar per year amount over the next 10 years and potentially face consequences when his contract runs up? I think if you're excluding contracts, it's Julio, but... For the value that Corbin Carroll brings, you would have to go there. Yeah, it's it's like it's eleven million. Like it's it's some it's it's a crazy small amount for how long you're keeping him. Yep. And we talked about it earlier. I think both it's a win win for both teams because he gets his money, and the Diamondbacks get amazing value for the top prospect in baseball. Yep. I love that guy. <laughs> he's he's a stud. I, I wish pride he of was Seattle, I would say. pride of Seattle. I wish he had. Like the same infectious platform that Julio has. Yeah, I think we don't live down in Arizona though, so it might be a little different down there. Like we live in Seattle. There are so we're a be ton national. of highlights of Corbin Carroll this year yeah. on national national stuff. Yeah, he he is on every every day, every week. It feels like you see another highlight of him on. Like he's the type of guy where if he makes like a, a nice running catch, it might go on the ground. It did a few days ago. Yeah, like, like routine plays for other people become highlights for him just because of who he is. So that shows tremendous market. And that's what for Fernando him. Tatis was before yeah. his injections. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do. Okay, yeah. we have to get to golf. Okay, we have not talked about golf as often as we should, in my opinion, and yeah, well, in Bryce Delay's opinion. It. Okay, but you are, you can still have opinions on the morality side of things which is in question right now with the merger back with uh, the PGA Tour essentially getting bought out by Liv, but still using the PGA platform. I despise it. Yeah, I think they're whores over there at the PGA. Because they spent the whole year talking about how it's immoral with having a Saudi-backed league. Part of it was definitely some jealousy taking some of their star players, Phil Mickelson, DeChambeau. Uh, Brooks Kepka as well. Like he recently won a major as well. So he won the he, last one. <laughs> he won, well, he won the last major, which was the PGA Championship as well. So right. it's, it's crazy that a live player won the PGA Championship. But anyway, those whores at the PGA finally fold. Um, and you know, depending on how you see this, this could be a dark day for golf and a dark dark day for sports, right? And I do. I have, don't agree with that. I don't think it's a dark day for sports. I think it's a stupid day for the PGA Tour specifically. Great job by Liv, though. Great job by oh, Liv. Oh, Greg Norman they did, did a fantastic ev- job. He didn't even know about it. Greg Norman didn't really? even know about it. Yeah. It was all the like fundraisers that did it. It wasn't even Greg Norman. 
he was just supposed to be like the golf face of it. Mm. But I mean, if you're, it's like you did exactly what you set out to accomplish was create a rivaling tour with so much money that the PGA would eventually fold. And that's what I hate having to admit. Like, I wish there was more of a backbone when it came to giving in to money, especially for the PGA Tour. Like, I get it for certain players that were at at different parts in their career, you know, kind of fading off, going through injury in in Brooks Kepka's case. But, like, you're you're an established PGA Tour that every fan is backing. And yeah. you give in to hundreds of millions of dollars. And I think this opens the floodgates for other sports to do it as well. We already one hundred percent. We already see with boxing. With boxing's a little different because it's already a little shady. And it's like a one-time thing right. anyway. But we see with Formula One as well. And just yeah. taking the, like they have like five or six Middle East races at this point. So now it's golf. NFL is you know probably knocking on their door as well. MLB <laughs> MLB is doing London games. Who's to say they won't go to the Middle East as well? So uh, I, I see next five, six, seven years. We see like these other major sports doing it, except for hockey because you can't get ice over there. In Saudi right. Arabia. Well, they they have it like indoor ski resorts in uh, in they, Dubai. They, they, they could make it work. They could make it. They work. could make it work. But I think, like, given the demographic in hockey, I don't think the guys will be on board. Yeah. I think they would le- like legitimately boycott. I mean, the they team. Have, yeah, they haven't made it to Mexico yet. They have to make it to right. Mexico first, right, and then. Europe. Mexico. <laughs> it's, it's it's Mexico and then London, and then from there you can go to Saudi Arabia, and the MLB has done it, and the NFL has done it, and the NBA has done it. Maybe yeah, they, they've had plenty Maybe. of international yeah. games. Yeah, yeah. they've yeah. done Mexico, so the, they've done Japan, uh, China. They have done China, absolutely. The Rockets went there. They played the Shanghai Sharks. You remember that? Harden had, Harden had like sixty five. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. Sixty five on like. 40 shots. Pretty much. Pretty much. That was back in his prime. I I remember seeing a stat. This is like a little throwback, but he had like stretched at 35 games where he averaged 40 plus points. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. You can say all you want about the guy, but guy was a scoring machine in his prime. One of the best scorers. Definitely. In his prime. I wouldn't say unstoppable, but top tier scorer at a certain time. I love seeing like highlights of him though, where it's just him shooting free throws. (laughs) (laughs) It's like... Watch every point of James Harden's like sixty point <laughs> outburst in like thirty five free throws. Yeah, just from the line. <laughs> but it's a skill to you know shoot from the free throw line as well. Yeah, in his defense. While while we're on the topic of golf, I want to pose you this question: What percentage of golfers do you think you are more athletic than uh, on the on the tour or just on the in tour general on the tour? Oh boy, I. I don't... I mean, this number could be anything. I think it's like 80%. I think I'm, a, I'm in the top 20%. I, I would so. I think like I they, would put do, you up yeah. there. Like, do they run for their workouts? Yeah, they Probably run. Probably not. Yeah. They run. They lift. Well, I, I well, say... They, they, I know I they lift. Like half of them. Yeah. Half of them run and lift. But not to the extent that you would be or that you are now. Right. Well, not in the last couple of weeks, but before Fair. that, well, you, yeah. you were busy. Yeah, you were busy. Sleeping um, at five a.m. I, I would put myself help. like in the same in the same category. The same category. I'd say yeah. like top twenty fifteen. I mean, it's not an athletic sport; it's a precision sport, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. so like I even think like a couple of the young guys. Like I know Justin Thomas is a pretty good athlete. I know Ricky Fowler is a pretty good athlete. But like John Rom, he might have John Daly, he might like, have more power, more torque than me, but. 
let's be real. Like, if we're playing, he might body me on the basketball court, but... If we're running, like, one-on-ones, cornerback v. wide receiver. I feel like I'm, I feel I'm like breaking that's, ankles. I, I feel like that should be, like, the way to measure how athletic a person is, is could you beat him one-on-one? Like, could you could you stop him from catching a ball on as a corner, and can you catch a ball, or can you beat him on a route? Hmm. As a wide receiver. You think you do you really think that the best measure of athleticism is in football? I think I think that dynamic might be pretty close because we talk about acceleration, top speed, jumping, but also lateral quickness, being able to shift and move quickly. Um yeah, I mean if you talk about athleticism from that standpoint, I think you hit a lot of the boxes. Not all of them, but I think it's as close as any other kind of sporting metric that you can have. So who would you consider the most athletic position in football? Oh, it's got to be. I mean, it's corner or wide receiver. No. Without a doubt. No. Where would you put it? Tight end. No, but there's some tight ends that just go out there and block, right? If you take the top 1% of anybody in the NFL, they're going to be great athletes, right? Yeah. Like even, J- even like the top center can beat me in a f- uh, Most centers can beat Overall, me Overall, tight ends are the most athletic. Combination of power, speed, yeah, but I don't put power. Skills. I don't put power in that equation, though. That's a difference. How does that not go into the uh, go into athleticism? Because I don't think powerlifters. I don't think powerlifters are athletes. Well, yeah, but I'm not saying I'm not saying a tight end is like a powerlifter. I'm just saying they have a lot of like strength and power. Yeah, so this this is a good debate then because I think I think athleticism does not. It includes power, and wide receivers and corners are absolutely powerful, not to the extent of tight ends. But I think they make up for their lack of power when we talk about the full range of what you can be athletically with superior speed, acceleration, like the ability to change direction and being able to move laterally, as well as jumping. Like they beat tight ends in all four of those categories, and they only lose out on strength and power. Yep. So it's like four to two. I don't care. Tight ends are the most athletic. Is that because Jack Westover? No, it's not. Although he is a freak athlete. I just think tight ends are the best. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue against any, like, pass-catching player in the NFL. Like, all of them can dunk probably 11-foot hoops. Yeah, they also they, have the they size. They have, like, four, five forties. Yeah. And you're a wide receiver if you're, you know, tall and skinny, and you're a tight end if you're a little bit more built, but also tall. Yeah. So like, they're, they're more or less, like, the same. T- think, think of who has to, like, think of a cornerback match. Okay, okay, how about this? If you're... If your measurement or if your activity to compare athleticism is running a route, what cornerback stops a tight end? Probably all of them. Like, cornerback can follow them. Yeah, but you just body them up and get in front. Well, that's like. And if you try to to knock on the the arms, the tight end is stronger. Power. You talk about schemes, though, right? It depends. We're not talking on, schemes. We're talking. We're talking about athleticism because well, well, you're never having a corner. Well, if you have a corner on a tight end, then the corner beats them every time. So it's one to one based on catching power, right? Because you're putting people out of position from a football perspective. So the position you're saying is, a, a tight end couldn't guard a t- tight end couldn't guard a corner. Okay, so it's if it's just, the corner is the wide receiver, it's just not a very like useful matchup because if we're talking about NFL and they're the best at their sport, then like obviously they're going to do what they do better than somebody else like not doing their assignment cuz corners don't guard tight ends and tight ends don't guard corners because corners can't guard tight ends yeah but t- why do you think linebackers have to be matched up with them 
Because they're a better matchup. Because they're a better matchup. Not always. Yeah, but but it brings me to the point that corners can be tight ends. So it's not a very useful argument to make. Because, like, because that's not how the matchups work. Right? It's, It's corner a la wide receiver for a reason. Right? Let's just put him in the ring. Make him go five rounds in the cage. <laughs> I, I, I'll take any tight end in the cage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it does depend. Any tight end in the cage. It, it, well, it does depend on, yeah, I guess it's a weight thing. Absolutely. absolutely weight, weight, reach, it power. Is a, it is a weight thing. It is a weight thing. But power, power when you're not trained is useless. Put a tight end on the hockey rink. Well, let's see if he can skate first. That guy would be well, I'm telling you, yeah. Like, teach a tight end how to skate, NHL All-Star. Teach a cornerback how to skate, not a chance. No, no, disagree, disagree. Because there's so many good players in the league that are small and nimble because they're able to but be But they quicker. can't be like 5'9", 160 and no, play in the there's, NHL. There's no NFL cornerbacks that are Yeah, five, there nine, are. One, it's like the old like, school frame. Maybe like not 160, but like 175. I'm, thinking like, I'm literally thinking like Sauce Gardner, like 6'3", lanky. That's like that. When I, I don't when think I, he fares well in the NHL one bit. I I think he fares just as well as a tight end. Because you're talking about a tight end, you can't be super fast. Like yes, you can hit, but you got smaller players. Like I think Connor Mc, like Connor McDavid's an unfair example because he's beating any NHL player. But most NHL forwards would be able to get past a tight end because they are they are able to be nimble enough, right? I had a conversation with my boss who's from Toronto, so he knows hockey way better than both of us. And a good archetype for a good hockey player is being smaller because you're able to skate around people, right? Because it's, like, it's not only straight line speed, but it's the ability to go quickly left and right. That's why you don't see that many built players in the NHL. Because to a certain extent, like, even if you are a good sta- skater, being 6'5", 250 pounds means, yes, you can take a big hit and you can give a big hit, but you aren't able to match up face-to-face D as well as some of the other guys. So if you could take... I, I, love, I love thinking about these hypotheticals. If you could take a position group from baseball to turn into hockey players, I would have to go middle infield. Yeah, yeah. You certainly you, yeah, wouldn't... Like shortstop, like, yeah. Maybe an outfielder, but often, or oftentimes... Shortstop or center field. Like, those are the two options. Like, how would Corbin Carroll do in the rink? He's 5'10", 165. He'd be fast. He'd be fast. You do have to take, like, height out of the equation when we talk about athleticism, too, right? Because it's... You can't control your height, so to speak. Yeah. But I still think when you're playing the comparison game, it plays a factor. Okay, yeah. Th- so this is a question for you. You got a guy that's like if you, you can, got a, you got a guy that's six five, and you got a guy that is like five ten, and they can do the same things. They have the same verts, same speed. You know, they have the same. The six five guys more. Yeah, athletic. but who is more athletic? The six five guy. Like you, you would take you would take the six five guy on your team any given day. Yeah, but when we're talking about athleticism, that's so unfair to the guy that performs the same level or has the same. Numbers, it's not right? unfair if they have the same metrics. Then what's then what's the difference? Six five because guy you're talking is, about athleticism versus the guy that you would sign, right? That's a they have the same athleticism, exactly. But you that, take the six five guy because it's more impressive to be able to do that at his yeah, size. So, so you admit that they're that he is not more athletic 
No, I'm. We just agreed that if they are equally athletic, then what it comes comes down to is size. Yeah, see, that's why I disagree. So it with you, plays a I role. Think, I don't think size plays a role when you talk about who is more athletic, right? There are guys that can be the same level of athletic, but in different sizes. Yes, I agree. But it's more impressive. It's more impressive, but he's not more athletic. Fine. Okay. Let's switch. Let's switch <laughs> off, eh? How was that, like 10 minutes? That was pretty good. That was, that was good. I like that one. Let's see how you can clip that. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Might make it a little hodgepodge. Let's go on to another beast sport. We talked about baseball. Let's go into boxing. Let's go into boxing. I know you've got a great one coming up on Saturday. Uh, We're both in on that. Yep. Uh, Go Josh Josh Taylor. Explain, please, why Josh Taylor is the victor. Well, I asked you the question, what do you know about Josh Taylor? I know that you like him. Mm. Okay, so. No relation to Josh Naylor of the Guardians. Hate him. Hate him. Hate him. How is he a cleanup hitter, too? Guys. Well, he hits like 380 off of righties and about (laughs) 110 off lefties. The horrible (laughs) lefty and lefty matchup there. No, Josh Taylor is a great boxer. He's a 140-pounder southpaw from Scotland. Um, And his body of work at the 140-pound level is insane. He was a part of a, a tournament that was hosted for a few weight divisions, and he, in an eight-fighter pool at the 140-pound division, was able to win three straight, winning against Regis Progre for the last one, which is Regis is no bum in his own right, um, to win two belts, and then he ends up going beating Jose Ramirez, who is the next guy uh, down from him to win all four belts. So we're talking about a former undisputed champ in Josh Taylor um, going against... You know, what I believe to be a former undisputed champ in Tiafimo Lopez. Other people will say otherwise because there's just so many belts in boxing. But Tiafimo Lopez was the undisputed champ at a lower weight class. So that's one point going to Josh Taylor. Two, Tiafimo Lopez, he has a kooky dad. He has a kooky dad. He has a terrible camp. And between the last three fights, like, like, this is nothing against Tiafimo Lopez, but emotionally he has been on an absolute roller coaster over the last three years, three fights. So he goes out as a heavy underdog against Vasily Lomachenko and beats him and then ends up winning all four belts, becoming undisputed champion. And then he has to face, of all people, mandatory after that for the WBO belt, which happens to be for all of the belts. And that was the whole Triller thing where Triller won the purse bid. And what... And there, there was so much confusion about that because Triller kind of folded before they could host the fight. So that was what was essentially a one month or one year long camp for him. Where in the middle of it, he got COVID. He was in divorce talks with his wife, and ten days before his fight, his kid was born, and he wasn't able to see him. And so he lost that fight, went up to 140, won in a split decision, I believe, and now after. That roller coaster of three years and three fights, where you could say he lost two, maybe lost three, depending on how you feel about the Lomachenko fight, has to go up and face the best 140 pounder in the division. So that's strike two for uh, or against Tiafimo Lopez, and strike three 
is just I don't think anyone likes Tiafimo. <laughs> so even though so even though Tiafimo's in his hometown of New York, I don't think he has any home ring advantage. See, you know, we've talked about this before, but I think you more than anyone focus on the extracurriculars of boxing more than anyone it's else. Important. Like that no, that is my favorite style of wagering is like it's feel. Like, I, I just, I like, know listen, it. Like, I, listen, I've got a feeling. We talked about Devin Haney um, on an episode that we didn't release, but I bet based on that, too, it's like he's a top-ranked fighter, young fighter, undisputed on a top-ranked card. Like, there's no way he loses, right? And I had a 6-6. Other people had a 7-5 Lomachenko. But guess what? It's a top-ranked fighter, undisputed champion on a top-ranked card. So guess who gets this decision? Did anything come of the Lomachenko dispute? Yeah, I don't think he went through with that. Hmm. So, yep. Haney is... Yep, he is the champ. I don't think Lomachenko ever did it. And for Lomachenko, this is a huge blow because he, it might be career-ending for him. He's got to go look for basically Tank Davis or Shakur Stevenson at this point. And, and you Tank, have to win. Yeah, and you, <laughs> and you have to win that fight in order to get a chance at Devin Haney. I think I, I would love for him to fight Devin Haney again because I think those odds are going to be very good for Devin. And even though many people say that Devin lost that fight, I think because Lomachenko was such a step up for Devin, that it it makes him such a stronger fighter now moving forward, especially if he were to face Loma again. I think if he faces Loma again, it's going to be 8-4-9-3. Oh. Like, Loma was such a big step up for Devin in terms of um, basically fighting his first elite southpaw. That was the Loma has the best footwork that Devin has ever faced. Um, the best stamina that, Lo- that Devin has ever faced. And now he comes out of it and he doesn't pass with flying colors, but he passes nonetheless. And, and, and now he has a question about what he wants to do if he goes up to 140, if he stays in defense, his belt and fights tank, which is a dangerous fight for anybody. Um, but one thing that he does need to do is get his dad out of the camp. Because if the Lomachenko fight showed anything, it was that his dad is not the solution and a lot and that that's the same thing with Tiafima too is his dad is his coach and trainer and basically managing everything in the ring and maybe probably even out of the ring for Teo and after watching boxing for a little more I think dad should not be a part of that process like it didn't work for Floyd Mayweather so how would it work for anybody else like I said the feel the feel. The extracurriculars. Gotta, you got to look into it. Exactly. Also, uh, Mariners almost just went back-to-back. Julio hit a 440-foot bomb. How about him? So, I mean, hanging slider, top third. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't get away with that. First, first pitch that the bullpen arm came in, too. So, um, Okay, Ryan, so you just came back from a week in Taiwan, and yep. you had a very cool experience of playing golf there. You were paired up with three guys, one, guy had one a- caddy for the foursome, all in a five-person golf cart, and the back nine started on a 700-yard par six. Yep, yep. <laughs> that is like, what? I sure did when driver three wood, three wood onto the green, one or one stroke above regulation, proceeded to three putt. You mean under reg? Or under reg. A green yeah, under green reg. under reg. And, and, then, then, proceeded, you th- and then you three putt part. three putt, yep. But a par Love nonetheless. It. A par nonetheless. So I want I want you to tell me about the experience and kind of how it's different from here, uh, as in like the the maintenance that goes into the course, the actual like 
layout of it, the right, clubhouse. Right, right. I want you to give me a little insight there. Well, it's not that much different once you get onto the course, right? I mean, golf is golf. It's 18 holes, probably a par 72, around 71, 73, who knows. Um, but the layout of kind of not even the course but the resort itself is impressive. So there's only about, like, 30, 35 golf courses in Taiwan. So every single one, because there's much fewer of them, all of them are presented very nicely. And so not only is it a golf course, but it's also kind of a weekend getaway for the entire family. So the place I went to, um, you know, giant clubhouse with two stories, with a giant dining room, um, you know, pool, spa, buffet, you name it, everything. Um, And then obviously the upkeep of the course itself has to be pristine as well. Uh, the the flower uh, kind of arrangement was awesome. They had little like Japanese little like gazebo things around, like things that you don't normally see at a Muni course or even like a super nice course around here in Washington and America. I feel like you know we put a lot more emphasis onto how hard the course is, um, how hard the course is, how it like. Like, I'm thinking, like, abandoned dunes, right? Like, it's not very flashy, but it makes up for it in so many other ways in terms of the backdrop, in terms of how it plays. Um, you know, Taiwan is all about appearances first. And once you actually get onto the course, I mean, I don't think Taiwan or, is, or Taiwan specifically, I don't want to say the rest of Asia because I don't know, is maybe not the best place for golf because they don't have the grass that we have in the United States. So they have, like, I think it's kind of like, like crabgrass. It's, it's crabgrass. Yeah. So even when you hit fairway, it's kind of like, okay, this, this lie kind of sucks, at least from my perspective, mm. right? But a great experience nonetheless, and it was so fun to chirp with the caddy, you know, tell her when she was wrong and then make fun <laughs> how, of me. How was she wrong? <laughs> well, she just, re- she just read pots wrong. Oh, I'm like, okay. I think it's going to go left. She's like, no, I think it's going to go right. I'm like, I'm going to pretend it's going left. And then... You know, I obviously I don't make the putt, but I'm. Pretty, but it still went I'm, the direction yeah, you went wanted. Went the direction I wanted to, <laughs> so I'm like, "Ha, I got you!" And then I sliced the next drive into the to the woods on the right, into the military base. Oh no, kidding! Right, actually, yeah. And then she'd make fun of me, and deservedly so. Yeah, I think that's the job of the caddy. Yeah, is to even if they're wrong, they will continue to get after you. Oh, we were we were behind like a foursome of. Um, old people that were hitting the ball 100 yards, not even oh, not yeah. even straight. And even she was chirping them. <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. And at a certain point, it becomes ridiculous, right? I don't know. I did have this hot pot experience, though, in Taiwan, um, where they have – it's it's awesome. It's just all you can eat, including all you can eat beer, or all you can drink beer. All you can eat beer, yep. They they pull it in, put it in gelatin, yeah, made it yeah, like a beer jello. crazy stuff over yep. there in Taiwan. All you can drink beer. Um, all you can eat ice cream, like everything you can name. And then obviously the things that you actually put in the hot pot, all you can eat. Um, and they have the normal stuff, you know, like chicken liver, uh, pork intestine, all the normal stuff that you're going to see. Obviously you'd see like all the normal stuff there. Um, and then you go down the list, you see uh, pork aorta, what like chicken heart. And, no, like aorta. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the actual, yes, yes. Like vessel that goes into the heart. Correct. They have pork aorta, chicken heart. And they had um, lamb testicle. That was when I was like, I think I'm just going to drink my beer. That's that's my ideal hot pot. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. Jeez. So to your point, though, as not great as the facilities are in Taiwan, at least for golf, China is the single largest uh, golf 
what's the word? I don't want to say it's not community, but it like the money that is poured in into Chinese golf is the largest of any country in the world. More Prime, and, and Strixon, Strixon is the largest golf company in the world. Really? Because of that. So it's not Thailand or Korea? I wouldn't. No. I would have put the money on Thailand. No. I mean, think of how many people are in China. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Like everyone I, was I would to, love yeah. to go play, though. I, w- I want to go play in Japan. That would be so sick. Japan? Okay. That'd be so sick. I want, like, people I want in Thailand are gassing Fuji. up Thailand a lot. Like, Thailand there's, golf. They're saying like, everyone in Asia goes to Thailand for golf. We could do that. Yeah. I just need to travel with you more. Like, you're more experienced than yeah, I am. Yeah, I just want to go see stuff, you know? Yep. Now that like, I'm on salary, hand, I got a handle. shot. Yeah, how about it? Congratulations. I'll buddy. be the Lawai. Lawai. Wah! So why your hair wah, so wah. red? <laughs> cut that! Cut that! Cut that! Cut that! Cut that! Why? La why? La why? La why? I don't have to cut that. No, I guess. Fine. So I, 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 I guess don't think Boise stays listening into this. <laughs> <laughs> let's get back to to sports. Uh, talk about boxing. How excited are you for the Josh Taylor fight? Now that I've, you know, given. The tail of the tape, so to speak. Now that I now that I have skin in the game and I know what to look for, I'm all in. Yep. Look for Josh. Look for Josh Taylor moving around a lot as the southpaw and Tiafimo trying to hit heavy shots but not landing them. That's how I see the fight going. I see Josh Taylor, you know, ultimately winning on points, or if he does get a knockout, it's going to be late, and it's only because he's a higher weight class than Tiafimo. So look for that there. A couple bigger fights coming up, though. Inouye versus Fulton. Spence versus Crawford. Do you know anything about those two fights? I know that... Is it Inouye? Inouye. Inouye? I think... I you, You've been talking about him for he's years. My, fa- how my he, favorite fighter. He's your favorite fighter, and he's arguably the best pound-for-pound boxer in the world. Ar- arguably the arguably. best pound-for-pound and power-wise, I, I think... At least, what does he? What does he fight at? Like one twenty? He's one. He one eighteen going up to one twenty two. But he has like nineteen KOs in twenty three yeah. fights. Like you're not supposed to have that much power at that weight class. So I think pound for pound, he has the best power. So that's what I know about that fight. And then I know that um, uh, Crawford and Spence is basically just two guys that have proven themselves over their career, and it's going to be a good one. That's all I yeah. know there. Yeah, Crawford Spence. I mean, fight of the go decade. the distance. Fight of the decade. Go to distance. Fight of the decade. I think it's fight of the decade. Whoa! Now, I, I right now I don't see. Obviously, it's early days, but it's I, early days. Yeah, early days. I, I don't see, at least right now, any of the prospects coming up being able to match the hype that's coming along with these two fighters. Because this was a fight that was five years in the making, and at the moment, there's no fight that has been brewing for a long time. That can be on that level. Now that maybe, Tank and Garcia went. No, I mean, this is bigger than Tank Garcia. Mm. And then, I mean, maybe Bevel and Better Bev is, is a fight that's been waiting a long time to to brew. But when that does get made, because it's too... The part, part of the reason that Crawford and Spence so hype is because it is two black Americans. Right? So, in terms of the boxing demographic watching it, like, a lot of people will feel very connected to it. Like, you know, Crawford from the middle of nowhere in Omaha... Um, but Spence from Houston as well, like the fourth biggest metro area in the United States, like already because of where they're from, you, you already got a lot of people that kind of feel invested, just wanting to cheer for their hometown guy as well. Um, love Spence versus Crawford in a way, unfortunately, like a, 
1 a.m. on a Tuesday because it's in Love Tokyo. It. And but, he's probably what, like minus 350? Minus 250, and I, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking putting huge skin in that. Huge skin in that fight. Because that, not only like all the praise to Inoue, Fulton, great fighter, the best in his weight class, and it's going to be an adjustment for Inoue to immediately go up weight classes and fight the best there. But, I mean, stylistically, Fulton just crumbles under pressure, and Inoue's one of the best pressure fighters in the world. And it's not just pressure, like, you know, being surrounded by a, a swarm of bees. It's like pressure, like meeting your mother-in-law. What? I was, yeah, I, was, I, I, I tried to think of something on the spot there. That was a miss. <laughs> that makes, Take two. That makes, that makes no sense. Take two. How? <laughs> what? I don't feel. I don't feel pressure missing uh, meeting the in-laws. The hypothetical in-laws. I feel like most of the population does, though. I also Mo- most people, don't have in-laws. Yeah, I feel like most people hate their in-laws or like, prospective in-laws. <laughs> That's the that's a joke, right? Most people don't like their in laws. Yeah, it's the thing. It's like it's like your mother in law going, you know, going off a cliff in a Cadillac. You have mixed feelings. You sure do. You sure do. Yeah. All righty. Well, this that's it for Ryan. That's it for Tellier, and the new perch. Maybe we'll get a few more in here. Maybe we got about uh, got a little over a month. A little over a month to go. All right. We appreciate you tuning in. We'll see you next time. That's how you feel. And the guys be like, asking all them questions. Asking all them questions. Why you asking all them questions? Making statements. Uh,